Hello and welcome to Safer Journeys, a podcast dedicated to raising children, ending violence, and ending oppression. I'm Heather. I'm one of the preventionists here at Safe Journeys in Central Illinois. And I'm Melissa, one of the other preventionists and program <laughs> director uh, with Safe Journeys in uh, serving LaSalle and Livingston counties in Illinois. And today's content is part two of our series on grooming and child predators. So today we are talking about grooming and child sexual predators and what to do if a child tells you they are being groomed. We are going to be hearing advice from child sexual predators, not directly. No. This is from a study. Yes. We are going to be We will be reading what yes. they have said to you. And we will talk about prevention of child sexual abuse and grooming. Yeah. So again, as always, trigger warning. We're going to talk about sexual abuse. Um, we're going to talk about grooming, obviously. Um, and there may be some other, you know, traumatizing topics unfortunately it's literally our job this is what we do um so if you can't do it today no biggie step away don't listen do whatever you need to do to take care of yourself that's right so first of all we are going to review and recap uh, what we were talking about last episode about grooming. So the definition is when someone builds a relationship of trust and emotional connection with a child or a young person, plus or minus their caregivers, yeah. so that they can manipulate, exploit, and abuse them. Yeah, and I said last time, and I, I just love it, I that's my go-to description, is it's training a person to accept abuse. Um. And that's like, that's pretty much it. It's long game manipulation. Yeah. Yeah. It's gross. It is gross. It's horrifying. So let's talk about um, the six stages real quick. So the first stage would be the victim selection. And that's where a predator is going to notice or find or pick out a child or a young person that they ha- deem to have some sort of vulnerability. Yes. And as we talked about last time too, second stage is gaining the the victim's trust mm-hmm. in whatever way they can. Yeah. Um, they will also be feeling a need mm-hmm. in some way. So let's say it is insecurity, like we talked about last time, they're going to help them feel more confident yeah. in any, again, in any way possible. Yeah. And another one is to isolate the child mm-hmm. and find ways to be alone with them. Yeah. Those, the devising the like alone time. Yuck. Yes. Um, in that alone time, they will likely start talking about sex, desensitizing um, the young person to sexual topics, maybe images. They might show them some explicit images or pornography, um, things of that nature, even just talking about sex more. And then um, after that, they are going to, the final stage, be maintaining control and it's just creating an environment and a relationship where the young person feels they need their abuser or their predator, that they are better off with than without um, that individual. That's right. And I just want to remind everybody that this is something that happens over a long period of time. Yeah. Like Heather was saying, this is the long game yeah. of manipulation. So, um, so we are going to talk now about what to do if a child discloses grooming behaviors or child sexual abuse to you yeah and the first thing i I, we're gonna say it i know you're all be like well duh right (laughs) but it's listen carefully and listen without judgment 
kids are perceptive. They can read your facial expressions. Do your very best to keep them sort of neutral. You don't like, we don't want to show any negative thoughts or feelings on your face. They could misinterpret that, like that they're in trouble or you're upset with them. So carefully listen without judgment. Neutral face, lots of head nodding, that kind of thing. Yes. And again, with the neutrality, avoid showing big emotions. You might be horrified. You might be mad and sad and all the things. And um, child abuse survivors often don't want to tell caregivers because they're afraid how their caregiver is going to react. And they just don't want to deal with that part. Like, they're just like... No, I can't tell them. They're not going to they're not going to handle this well. And it could be for a variety of reasons that they're concerned, like maybe they're worried they're going to get in trouble. Yes. Or you shouldn't have kept that secret. Like the, there's a whole bunch of things, but they also know that this is going to hurt. They're not they're not stupid. They know that like when they tell their parent they've experienced this negative, unpleasant thing that their parents going to feel bad. And kids do protect their parents. Yes. Um, there's, yeah. And many adults now, but who were young, young people who were victims of sexual abuse, didn't tell their parents because they knew it would hurt them. Yes. Yeah. And especially if the predator has some kind of relationship with oh, the yeah. family. Um, that That is really tough for the kid because they're like, well... I don't want anything bad to happen to this person. I just, Mm -hmm. I just want it to stop. Yeah. And like, imagine if it's a, your parent's new partner, right? If it's like your new step parent who's doing the, the, being the abuser. And then you have to go to your, like your biological parent and be like, oh, this person that you love and married is actually abusing me. And parents could be in denial as well. Like, there's just a lot of different, there's a lot of space for things to go wrong here. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to be really intentional. And in doing that, you, even if the child doesn't say, like, it's my fault or I shouldn't have done it, say it's not your fault. That's right. We say this every time we interact with a survivor for the first time um, or they tell us their story. We say, hey, just so you know, this isn't your fault. You did nothing to deserve this. Yes. And it's important to do that with the children and be very explicit about it. You did nothing wrong. Yes. And often I hear, and maybe it's not specifically about child sexual abuse that I hear it, but often a survivor will say, yeah, but I did this thing. And yeah. and I'm like, no, no one mm-hmm. deserves to be treated like this. No. This is not normal. And, you know, the predator uses that uh this piece of knowledge that you know that they don't want to be in trouble they don't want to be get anyone in trouble so they'll remind the child that or not remind tell the child you know if you come forward to your parents about what's going on they're going to be mad at you yeah and if you hadn't worn those short shorts this wouldn't have happened so it is your fault right because if the child thinks it's their fault they're not going to want to tell anybody about it. Yeah, it's so heartbreaking. It is. The next step is to tell the child they did the right thing by telling you. So, so often the predator often tells them a lot of reasons why they need to keep the secret, yeah. like we're talking about here. And, and sometimes it'll be something like, 
if you tell, then I'm not going to be able to come over for happy fun time anymore. Yeah. You know, and, and the kid's like, well, but I like happy fun right. time, so I won't tell. Yeah. You know, and, or it's like, oh, our, our families aren't going to be friends anymore. Yeah. Or they're going to, I'm going to get in trouble. Yeah. They're going to put me in jail and you know, I can't be in jail because of whatever. No, you know, and we love each other, so we can't be away from each other. Yeah, we'd be away from each other forever. Yeah, yeah, they're they're good at manipulation. That's right. So being able to say like, "Thank you so much for telling me," mm-hmm. I want you to know that this isn't your fault. And yep. and and then the next one. Yeah, go ahead, Heather. The next one is, and I cannot. Well, we cannot stress this enough. You tell that child you believe them. Even if they haven't said anything to indicate that you might not, tell them you believe them. Yes. And the reason is that a lot of kids are not believed. So many child sexual abuse survivors attempted to tell someone, some trusted adult, and the trusted adult shut them down. I know there's someone in my world who told both of their parents Um, When they were, I don't know, five or six. So they were still pretty young. And their parents just said, nope, that didn't happen. And that was the end of it. Like the child continued to suffer the abuse. Yeah. And not get any help for it. And it's not uncommon that that happens. Um, So that's why it's so, 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 so important that you let the child or any survivor of abuse in any way know that you believe them. And because child predators, like I had said, I hate saying that they're smart, but they are. Um, they will tell kids, your parents aren't going to believe you. Yeah. I'm, you know, you're the best. I'm the coach of the year or I work at the church every day or whatever it is. They're like, right. I'm a good person and everyone knows it. So they're not going to believe you when you tell them I did this. Which is actually why they put themselves in yep. the position they did, whether that's their job or their spot in the community, whatever. Yep. Um, I have two different stories yeah, please. about this. So the other day when I was teaching about grooming in the seventh grade classroom, mm-hmm. um, and I taught several seventh grades. <laughs> like back uh, to back to back, yes, right? Yeah. classes all day. So um, when I did ask them, you know, what, what if it comes like an adult's word? Versus a child's word, who who's going to be believed? Yeah. And hands down, they know the adult's going to be believed, yep. and and that that's a big issue. My second story is that when I'm in the classroom with kindergarten kindergarten students through second grade students, um, it is just the most heartbreaking thing. But we have to talk about it when we're talking about um, never keep secrets oh, about yeah. touching. Yep. Um, when we talk about reporting, we say, you know, um, so what if the person, the first person you go to the first adult, what if they don't believe you Mm -hmm. and the kids, um, you know, some of them will say things like, well, then you're going to have to set up some cameras and (laughs) get some proof, you know? Yeah. And, um, little detectives. So heartbreaking. Yeah. Because uh, they're just trying to get somebody to believe yeah. them. Um, but ultimately, somebody says, tell another grown-up. Right. And I said, exactly. What if they don't believe you? 
and they just start to like have these looks on their faces like, like why do these adults not believe yeah, me yeah, yeah and then they're like okay we'll tell another adult and then some ultimately some kid will say what if no one believes you even if you've told all the adults around you Ugh. and i said listen you have some supportive adults around you that include your teacher. Yeah. And I always include the teacher in this yeah. conversation. And they, they nod their heads yes. Like, uh, okay, all right. Every time I, <laughs> I say this. But I say, your teacher and I, we have both had to um, take mandated reporter training. Mm. And if you tell us something yeah. like what we're talking about today, about somebody breaking the touching rule mm -hmm. with you, then we have to do something about yeah. it. Yeah, legally you have to. Yeah, so I'm like, if it, if it comes down to it, your teacher is somebody you can go to and she's going to do something about it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so that was helpful. No, I, I it sucks that we have to even, that's part of the curriculum. Yeah. Is keep telling adults until someone helps you. Yeah, it is. And, you know, in our curriculum is very story-based, which I appreciate, and the kids can really oh, I'm follow. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And then they practice their new skill. Yeah. So I give them situations, and then the, and then they do it. And in the story, I, I think it really um, shows the next piece of what we want to ask you to do if a child does disclose is let the child know what you plan to do next. Yeah. Because in some of the stories or situations, it's like the the caregiver that's reported to will say, Things like, thank you so much for telling me. Um, it, I want you to know this is not your fault and I believe you. I'm going to go talk to the teacher and make sure that this person mm -hmm. won't be able to do that to you anymore. Right. Thank you so much for telling me. Yeah. And then it always talks about, and, and then Marcy felt safe and protected by her mom because her mom listened mm -hmm. to her and did something about it yeah yeah and you know this is similar with any survivor anybody who came up to me or melissa in any setting and said i experienced abuse we would do we would validate their feelings we would tell them we believe them it's not their fault but we would also let them know what their options are. Yes. And with some young kids, like, it's not so much an option thing. It's going to be more like, I'm going to go talk to so-and-so next. Right. And then we're going to ask the social worker to, to join us. You know, whatever that And let's be. say yeah. they start to put the brakes on you. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. let's say you said... I'm I'm going to go tell the teacher. No, yeah. no, no, no. Don't do that. Mm. Oh, buddy, why? Yeah. What's going on? And maybe... They've already tried to tell the yeah, teacher maybe. and they haven't been believed. And so it's just really interesting. Like, do make sure exactly what Heather's saying. Make sure that the victim and, and even if they are a child, like you support their decisions of what they want to do next. And so and being a child, like they might not have all the answers. right? No, of so course. you can say like, Suggestions, well, this yeah. is what I plan on doing mm -hmm. and Listen, watch their reaction. Yeah. Listen, like look at the nonverbal and also the verbal of what's happening next. And if they're on board with you um, doing that, you know, great. Mm -hmm. If not, though, kind of explore why. Because yeah. they may have already tried that avenue and they have some wisdom there. Um, or they could have seen that that person was supporting the predator yeah. and they're scared. Yeah. So really, really check in and trust, trust your kid. No, I... That was just, yeah, it was making me think a little as you were saying that, like, 
how many people or teachers or school institutions I've approached and said, hey, this young person said so-and-so did something to them. And the response from that school staff will be their, their troublemaker. Uh, they're known liar. They like to tell stories, right? And it's like, you are not a receptive person then. Right. I'm going to go to someone else. As an adult, I'm not even about to like tell you why you're wrong here. Like You're going to shut it down and I need to know that whoever is going to deal walk this process with the child that they believe and support them. That's right. That's right. So, you know, trusting their decisions and really respecting their response to like your plan for what to do next, it really gives them back the power and control that the abuser has taken away through all their threats, through all their manipulation. And like that is one of the first signals, I think, to the kid like, I'm going to get some support now because this person is given me. I mean, they're not going to use the term power or control, but they're giving it back to me. I don't feel like a yeah. bystander in this story. Right. Yeah. So, of course, the next thing you're going to have to do, if you are a mandated reporter, pretty much anybody who works with kids is a mandated reporter. Um, if they are a mandated reporter, they're going to have to call whatever your state's child protective services are, here in Illinois, it's DCFS, and you know they have different acronyms wherever you are, but it's child welfare or child protective services, essentially. Yes, and when it has to do with DCFS, this is a mandated reporter situation where um, there's like the power differential mm-hmm. and control issue within like the, a caregiver role. So again. Most likely, the predator is going to be in some kind of caregiver role. However, if they're not and it's more online, you're probably going to do the next thing that Heather's going to do. Yeah, and that's going to be report that to the police. That's right. Yeah. So, and a lot of times it's it's both, right? You're reporting to Child Protective Services and the police. If you don't know where to start, call the police. Yes. They will, they'll point you in the right direction. They're going to help walk you through some of that stuff. But there's also um, most places... I don't actually know if it's this way in different states, but here in Illinois, we have child advocacy centers. Yes. Um, so they, they're they specifically to help children through some of these processes. Um, they have special investigators. Everybody on there is trained to work with young people specifically. You can also call your local um, sexual assault center. That's right. Any Every county should have one. Or, you know, they might cover a couple counties, but y- yes. you should have one. Yeah, ask for resources, yep. ask for safety planning, ask for possibly even a legal advocate yeah. to help through the process of reporting to the police, of possibly going through the court system mm-hmm. if you need to. Yeah, you don't have to do this on your own, ever. No. There are so many institutions that are in place to support the child and the people who are walking with the child through this journey. And that's going to be places like your sexual assault center or rape crisis center, depends on, you know, where you are, what they call it. But it's the same thing. Or your child advocacy centers. And a lot of court systems have child advocates as well within the court systems. And they do such great work. I work with someone who's a child advocate um, and she got a, a dog, a therapy dog or service dog to come and be who the child tells their narrative to in the courtroom. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, because telling the, like, you know, fluffy, goofy-looking dog what happened to you is much easier than a whole room full of grown-ups and, like, their dressed attire, you know? Yes. So everybody, there are so many people to help get this kid through this process and then help them recover from it as well. Yes, and go on to live a normal life with healthy relationships. Yep, yep, absolutely. So what's the big no-no if a child tells you do not confront the abuser this isn't going to help anybody Um, you're most likely going to be hearing things like blaming the child Mm -hmm. um, totally denying that it happened Um, and again that starts to plant seeds of doubt right Mm -hmm. Um, and and so just just don't confront the abuser it's better to handle this through the police Mm -hmm. um, and uh, if child protective services is needed yeah. and because they're in a caregiver role, like in the household too. Sure. Um, but yeah, don't do that. Yeah, definitely don't. And like, there's so many terrible ways that could go. There could be a physical altercation. Right. Maybe the predator flees and they never get caught or they do something to the child because the child told like there's just yeah. a lot of bad things that could happen if you don't follow that like appropriate reporting um process right or even like after the child discloses going right to the abuser being like did this happen well of course not <laughs> no that's and, they're yeah. too manipulative like they're you are good not at manipulation gonna, yeah exactly and then and then it's gonna make it more into like a child called wolf situation yeah. and we don't need that either no we need to believe the child when they come forward we need to say it's not your fault and we need to be there for them and support how like how we need to move forward together yeah because th- it's their life this is what happened to them yeah. And it's not their fault. It's not their fault. And we're we're going to help get them to a better place and get control back. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So we're going to pivot. Well, not really pivot, but we're going to start talking about, I know we've said it a few times, these advice from predators. So let me tell you a little bit about where this information came from. So there's a woman, her name's Corey Jewel Jensen, and she's done a ton of work with child predators that were in treatment, rehabilitation, whatever you want to call it. They were, they had been caught and they were working through what they had done, essentially. And they said they wanted to be part of the solution, right? Because so far they've been part of the problem. So to be part of the solution, what can they do? Well, they can educate the public about how a child predator thinks. And that's where advice from predators started. And there's like... She put them into some different headings. There's a ton. We're not going to go over all of them, but we're going to go over a few of the big ones. Right. So one of the first headings is who are the predators? And I'm going to say this in the quotes like they did. Um, So I'll use the the pronoun I. Mm -hmm. So I can be a parent, step parent, relative, family friend, teacher, clergyman, babysitter or anyone who comes in contact with children and I am likely to be a stable employed respected member of the community yep you wouldn't really see that coming but there you go yeah these the predators are paying their bills they're not stepping outside the lines right they are doing they almost looked perfect yeah at least from the outside yeah and that is strategic because you are more likely to believe them against the child's word Right. 
Right. And you're more likely to be able to build a relationship of trust yes. with the child and their course, family, yeah. too. Yeah. So uh, another thing, and one of the other headings was, well, how do they even gain access to kids? Or how do they gain their kids' trust? So I've got a couple here I'm going to read to you. Um, the first one is, I may touch your child in your presence so that he or she thinks you are comfortable with the way that I touch you. Wow. How freaking sneaky. Yeah. And then next one here is, they say like, oh, how do you gain access to kids? And the predator says, it's easy. I pay attention to your child and I make them feel special. That's it. It just seems too simple. It does, but it's, it's, it is simple, really. Yeah. Yeah, that's scary. Yeah, very that scary. scary. Another way in which they answered this question is, I present an appearance of being someone you and your family can trust and rely on. So they're reliable. Yeah, you can call on them for help. Yeah. They're yeah. a helper. Oh, you know, you gave an example. I don't remember if it was this episode or last, but it was about having uh, maybe some extra uh, child care yes. where it's like I, I have a maybe after daycare, I have an hour between then and when I need to come yep. home. Oh, you're willing to watch them? Great. Thank you oh, so much. Oh, and for free? Yeah. Thank you. You're uh, a saint. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. I, w I would hit that up in a second as well, a parent who needs daycare for my kids. What parent wouldn't? Yeah. So it's it's stuff you need, right? Like, not just the kid needs, the family needs. Yeah, they know they're filling a need yeah. in a variety of ways. Yes. Yeah. Another way in which this um, question was answered was, I get to know your child's likes and dislikes very well. So again, they pay attention. It's a parent. Yeah, it's, it is a parent because they've they. This is their research essentially, right? Oh, absolutely. Their background research on the child. What do you like? What do you not like? Because I'm going to give you all the things you like. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> the next um, question that they posed to the predators was, "Well, why don't predators get caught?" And one of the responses was. I make it look like an accident, a mistake, or a misunderstanding. It is not. Ugh. Right? We know how purposeful and intentional mm -hmm. this it, this process is. Yep. And yeah. Yeah. Just they create a situation where they could make it to be an oops. Oh, I just accidentally did whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Gross. Another response is I use situations like tucking them in at night or touch them while they sleep. This is a big one yeah um predators they may start off too not with touching but just looking at them being in their room while they're asleep because you, well, that way you're going to know does the child stir right. right like maybe the kid's a really light sleeper and as soon as you walk on that floorboard they're you know sitting upright or my like my friend's kid, they're snoring like a freaking truck driver out like a light. You'd think they had just had, were like on a bender or something. Nope, just a regular old day out like a light. Can't be woken up. But yeah, the the while they're sleeping thing. If they had access to the kids while they're sleeping, they will go in the room and you know start testing the boundaries. Yeah. <clears throat> Another response was I desensitize children to nudity. I leave the bathroom door open so they can see me. And and it feels like something that's like, oh, that's that's like an easy thing to do, right? Because like you you have to <laughs> have your 
private body part in order to go to the bathroom. So it's like, well, of course they're going to do that in the bathroom. But like, again, they're desensitizing this child and making it seem like, yeah, like it's, it's okay to like go to the bathroom in front of each other. And what else can we do with our private body parts in front of each other? Like, It's incremental steps. Right. Like it starts with the, oh, I forgot to close the door when I went to the bathroom. Right. And then develops into much more, I don't even know the word I'm looking for, but gross, terrible things. Yeah. 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 Um, And then another one of the, the statements for why they don't get caught was, Um, I confuse the kids. I tell them that all families do this, even though I know they don't. Yeah. Yeah. So you're telling the kids it's normal. Yeah. And they don't know. How could they? They have to take your word for it. Yeah. Because you don't know what other families are doing. Yeah, exactly. Because they're not in another family. They're in this one. And you have an adult telling a kid something and kids are taught to listen. Yep respect Mm -hmm. adults and obey yeah it's adults yes so some general advice that um the predators have given one is i will make it hard for your child to tell you what i am doing make it easier for them communicate listen believe yep because kids don't want to tell if they're not going to be believed and in addition to not being believed and getting what the support and help that they need now they've been labeled as a liar or someone who tries to start trouble. So like it is only making things worse for them. Yeah. And they can make it look like the kid is like, oh, that's such a troubled kid. Yeah. They've got so many problems. That is that is an incredibly common thing that predators will rely on. Oh, they were in and out of juvenile detention. You can't really trust them. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. It, you know, they they know what they're doing. It's yeah. terrible. Um, Another piece of advice is trust your child, not me. Mm. This is coming from a predator. Trust your child, not me. They deserve your trust, not me. Yeah, that's that one's super powerful to me. Like it is. Could you imagine if you were a parent and your child came to you, said so and so touched me and you said, no, that couldn't possibly be the case. And only come to find out years and years down the road it was. Wouldn't you have rather done your due diligence? Yes. And found that your child, I, they, they overwhelmingly do not lie about this for the most part. But at worst, you find out your child lied. Right. And then what else is going on? But like, like why the, are you? Yeah. I mean, that? then there's something behind that as well. But like the. But this is horrifying. Like people don't tend to lie about this. No. It's overwhelmingly mm -hmm. true. Yeah. And all abuse, not just grooming and child sexual abuse. right. Intimate partner violence, domestic violence, sexual assault, whatever it might be. Um, The studies have shown that somewhere between 2 and 10% of abuse that's reported to the police is false. That's not very much. And that's the exact same number of false reports for any other crime. So false reports of, you know, whatever, a robbery or some other physical assault. It is the same as as any other false reporting. Very rarely does it happen. So statistically, at a minimum, 90% 
of the disclosures we receive are truthful. Mm-hmm. And that's like the low end of like it's 90 to 98% really. That's right. And that's why we say start by believing. Yep. Because <laughs> that's that's where we have to start. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Another piece of advice is once I start, I will not stop. Only you can stop me by calling the police. So you need to realize the key, the key um, role that adults play in a child's life. Uh, something I teach in the classroom: adults are here to keep you safe. Yeah. Like when you report to an adult, they want to make sure that you're safe. Yeah, it's every adult's job. That's right. to keep you safe. That's right. And I know in a second we're going to be um, touching on prevention yeah. and what we teach in the classroom. Um, I know. I want I want to make sure we highlight another piece about like kids will not lie about this overwhelmingly, but um, why maybe sometimes like it appears sto- that right, they're lying, right? Yeah, maybe the story like changes a bit or something. Can you tell us more about? Yeah, that? yeah. Um, so sometimes, and actually, we heard this from someone who works for Child Protective Services. Do you remember when that person was like, "Oh, their story kept changing"? Yes. Of course, their story kept changing. If you listen to our trauma podcast, or podcasts, plural, you will have learned that when a traumatic incident occurs, people have trouble uh, sort of keeping a timeline or a chronological order. And it is just the nature of, you know, the hormones and the different things that are happening in our brain and our body when something traumatic is happening. So it is absolutely normal if a survivor tells the story out of order, if there are big things you expect they would remember and they don't, um, or if the story changes. And a lot of times the story changing is more the person or the survivor trying to appease the person they're telling the story to. Yes, and I would also add it may be they're confusing one one time of the abuse with another time of the abuse because the abuse has been so repeated. Yeah. I mean, I get my days mixed up, right? I'm like, I don't know, sometime this week, you you know, like, could you imagine like a traumatic incident that repeatedly occurs? Of course, they're going to get the memories will get kind of smushed together, pulled apart in a weird way. It is normal for anybody experiencing trauma to have some of these memory lapses or inconsistencies in their memory. Yeah. When I remind um, some of our community partners of of this fact. Yeah. Um, and, and they choose to keep going on their little train of like, yeah, but the child, blah, 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 blah. Nope. Sometimes I say, have, have you been in this field for a long time? How are you feeling? <laughs> because it seems like they're, they have some vicarious trauma yeah. or they're just burnt out. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. yeah. like, that's why it's so important that we do take time off in this field. Um, and I just want to keep reiterating that. But I also want to get to the prevention <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> of child sexual abuse and grooming. Um, yeah. But I just want to say that, like, it's it's just so prevalent, this attitude of, like, not believing the child or seeing an inconsistency and being like, oh, they're lying. There's they're another lying. reason to support my theory that this isn't true, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, nope. In, in truth, it's actually supporting the fact that it is true because trauma survivors don't remember things in right. the right order or very well. Right. Yeah. 
or they could even be like, they could be a child. They could say, hey, this happened, but maybe it wasn't that setting or that person. It was somebody else, yeah. but that's not their memory mm-hmm. because they don't actually remember the face of the person. So they insert a face that they do know. Yeah. And so in it, it's so tough. And what like if this a was, little kid. And what if this happened 10 years ago? Right. Like you've only now had the strength, the courage and the individuals that, you know, can support you to share that. Right. But it happened 10 years ago. There may very well be some missing pieces that your brain was like, nope, get rid of this. You don't need to remember it. You're safe or not knowing. Yes. Yes. And that is so uh, that happens so often. Mm hmm. Yep. So let's talk um, about the prevention of child sexual abuse and grooming. Um, there is one law that it, that is in 38 states, I believe, right now, Aaron's Law. Um, and Aaron's Law is one of a variety of different mandates that we need to be teaching sexual abuse prevention in K through 12 schools that are publicly funded. There are other, there are, and each state's going to have extras and other, but like every state pretty much has something written into their K through 12 education on preventing child sexual abuse. Yes. And of course, it's age appropriate, developmentally appropriate. They have a whole scope and sequence for the grade levels. Um, But we are going to talk a little bit about prevention that we can do at home and in the classroom. And it's interesting to think about (laughs) (laughs) what advice came from the predators on prevention. And this is the one that stabs me in the heart. Yeah, me too. When I first read it, I went, oh, no. (laughs) Because some of my preventionists are in the classroom. All right. So (laughs) one of them was school prevention program isn't enough. I know. (laughs) You're like, what? I mean, the CDC even told us that's true. Um, We have to be doing things in the community and changing culture and working more at community and societal levels, like not just individual and relationship um, skills, which those are important too, but we really need to be changing the culture and making it so that sexual violence is not tolerated in our communities. And like, how messed up is it that we're putting the burden of protecting ourselves on kids? Yeah. Make sure you don't get sexually violated. Right. They're children. They should not have to worry about it. Yeah. So like, bigger picture, we want to do things that are going to stop it before it starts. But because that's not where we are, unfortunately, we do need to teach kids how to protect themselves. That's right. And okay, so another thing I did with the seventh graders when we were talking about grooming is I was like, okay, so how do you educate your community on this, on on grooming, on the need for adults to believe children Mm. when they come forward uh, with disclosures of child sexual abuse and grooming? And, And one student says... We need to empower the young people to have a voice. They need to know they have a voice in the first place. And then we need to educate the parents and caregivers on how to empower the kids' voices and listen. Me and and Melissa are giggling right now because this is pretty much what we're trying to push all the time. Right. And honestly... That's that's the grounds for this podcast. Yep. Like that is the purpose yep. of this podcast. And I was just like, "Oh, girl, you're speaking my language." I, like we should have gotten a recording of her I saying wish. it, right? Well, it made me really want to be like, 
can I just start a prevention group here now? Like, <laughs> yeah, it was so cool. I, I loved that moment. The kids want to do and like, they do. That is so inspiring for me is that the kids want to do this work. Yes. They want to make the change. They want to live in a better society than yes. we currently live. Like, why are we holding them back? Yes. There was Let one kid who's like, I want to change the the rules. Like, I want to I want to make it so child sexual predators are nowhere near the school. Like, and I know there's like so many feet they have to be, yeah. but like he's like, make I know bigger. I know that that there's more there's somebody living within like less feet than that within the school. And I think we need to be doing a better job at monitoring them and we need to write better laws. And I'm like, you're right. Oh, yes. you're a policymaker. Like, Oh, <laughs> did, do you remember when I sent you those kids that compiled a list of the quote unquote creepy things their teacher was doing? These kids documented I don't remember what school it was. I do remember it was on the Discord platform. Oh, wow. The students were getting vibes that things were creepy. And so they started recording the thing, like writing down every time this something weird or creepy would happen. And then they brought it to the administration. Like they actually made the change. Oh, wow. Without adult, like this was middle school, I want to say, like, there wasn't guidance from someone else. These kids thought, well, we got to document it because they want proof. Right. And they did. And they did make a change. You know, they got rid of that educator. I'm sure there was, you know, legal implications for them as well. But like, right. I was so flipping proud. These kids, I don't know. Don't even know what school they're from, but I'm just like, you guys are amazing. Yes. You did it. Yes, young people are amazing and inspiring. Um, and and so and to hear, you know, the school prevention program, it, it isn't enough. It's and, not. And so that's why we need to be empowering our young people inside and outside of school. And we need to be learning how to listen to our young people. So the the second part about the advice from predators on prevention is if you don't teach your kids about sexuality, I will. Yep. Someone is going to fill that void. Right. And it's not necessarily going to be things that you would like your young person to know about sex and sexuality. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We'll talk in a second about um, some of the prevention education, what's really needed because of this issue. Yeah. So, um, most of uh, school prevention in the classroom, um, it, it's curriculum based. So there are a bunch of different evidence, evidence based curriculums out there, um, that you get to choose from to go through. Um, but again, we're going to like really deep dive into the school based prevention in, um, an upcoming podcast. So you'll, you'll have to listen, you'll have to wait and listen for that one. But, um, Yeah. I guess, why don't we talk about the first rule? Yeah, so <clears throat> the first lesson that we do with kids is like the eight never, never rules, and they're all safety rules. And yeah. so we're immediately grounding them in, like, we're talking about safety, your safety here. Specifically body safety, right? Yeah, a lot of it does have to do with the Like, body. I'm just thinking about the images, right? There's yeah. Don't play with, never, never play with fire. Never touch a gun. Um, oh, wear your helmet, right? Right, right. Um, Seatbelt. Wear your seatbelt. Um, always ask for um, 
Well, that's the next rule. Yeah. But um, always ask first before you pet a dog. Yeah, because you that don't want to get bit. Yeah, like always look always for traffic. Like, And it does. It has to do with your bodily safety. Yeah. And so the next time we see them, we're talking about all the always ask first rule, which is, you know, before you go somewhere, do something, always ask the adult in charge first. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talk about, I say, why is that important? And they're like, Well, because they need to know where you are. And I said, yeah, because the adult's job is to make sure you're safe. And they can't do that if they don't know where you are. Yeah. And so, and they get that. And so grounding it in these two rules, we can really build off of this stage. And so we start to talk about what's a safe touch, what's an unsafe touch and an unwanted touch. And a a safe touch is a a touch that makes you feel loved and cared for. An unsafe touch is a touch that hurts your body. And an unwanted touch, I love when kids do this, is a touch I just don't want right now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it's perfect. And then the next time we're talking, we're talking about the touching rule. And it's a bigger person should never touch your private body parts except to keep you healthy and clean. And we kind of break that down a little bit. We talk about mm-hmm. what are the private body parts. And often schools are saying, you know, well, we want you to teach the swimsuit rule. Okay. Okay. You know, um, so the swimsuit rule is, you know, your private body parts are the parts that are covered up by your swimsuit. And I do make the point like, I know you're not in your swimsuits right, right. now, but think about when you do wear them. What parts do they cover? Now, I'm not asking them to name them in class because... That's frowned upon right now. It is a hot button topic. I was just talking about uh, this with a principal the other day. And he's just like, oh, yeah, it's a hot button topic. I go, oh, yeah, super political right now. Um, and and um, I said, it's just so important. They know the names of their private body parts. And he's like, I know. And I said, I, I started tearing up um, because I've dealt with this in other schools, too, and it was really nice to see he understood. And he was telling me, you know, well, parents and caregivers have been calling and we're so nervous and all this stuff. And I was just like, you know, child sexual abuse prevention education is comprehensive sex ed for this age group. And that's what they were so nervous about. Like, oh, are they going to be teaching our kids like how to have sex? And it's like, that's actually not sex ed for this age groups yeah because it's all developmentally appropriate right absolutely that it is and so um (laughs) that just like really gets me but anyway so that's the the part that I break down about the private body parts and then we talk about okay so what bigger people in your life would be helping you keep your private body parts healthy and clean Mm -hmm. who would be normal people that would help you with that right and typically parents and doctor and nurse is what comes up yep um sometimes they'll say grandparents and I'll make a point of saying you know if your grandparent is one of your main caregivers right then that would be normal absolutely um I said but it's a really short list and I want you to remember that this is a short list now let's talk about the people who aren't normal that Mm -hmm. would be helping you keep your private body parts healthy and clean and I say, would your dentist? And they're like, no. <laughs> and I say, oh, yeah, they take care of your mouth, and teeth, don't they? Like, yeah. no, they wouldn't be doing that. Would your teacher? <gasps> no. And uh, they're like, yeah, no, absolutely. And then, like, the teacher's eyes will bug out of their head. They're like, I'm, I'm not like, doing that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no, truly. But I do say, I say, I take that moment to say, oh, but if somebody is breaking the touching rule with you, your teacher's a great person to go tell. Right. And I take that moment to really make that connection for them. But I say, but a teacher should never be touching your private body parts. No. Um, so 
it's interesting just to know that like, okay, we've talked about unsafe touches and we make the connection between like an unsafe touch is is breaking the touching rule. Yeah. So if somebody is touching your private body parts, they are breaking the touching rule and they are giving you an unsafe touch. Yeah, and the predators know what we teach. Yeah. Because one of the advice from predators was to that people with touching problems are tricky. Meaning they're, you know, they're gonna play tricks on you to get so that they can touch your private body parts. Yeah. So the predators are aware of what we're teaching in the classrooms as well. And on that private the like naming the private body part, predators explicitly say if a young person uses the correct anatomical term, like say a little kid goes, don't touch my penis or that's my penis, whatever it might be, the predator knows they've been educated and that they are assertive. Right. And that is a deterrent. That predator knows that someone is talking to those children or that child about this and they walk away. And they'd be able to report and use the correct language and the, and the adult would be like, wait, what? is going on you know but if they're like oh they tried to touch my cookie like like, okay well uh, I like cookies too so Uh, yeah yeah (laughs) like uh I I wouldn't really be able to do anything with that it doesn't hold up in court unfortunately right right and like that's not how I want to like talk about these things but like you can't prosecute someone for touching your cookie right now if you if you want to make sure that your kids are safe and like able to report if something happens because you can't be there every minute of the day, right? But let's say if something were to happen like this, mm-hmm. right? They were being groomed. They got to the point of the sexual part of the relationship and the kid tried to tell. Um, wouldn't you want them to be able to tell with the correct language yeah. and being able to communicate it clearly and even have the deterrent before it happened, right? I mean, preferably, Let's right? Let's say, yeah. yeah, they were able to refuse it and say, don't touch me. Mm-hmm. Don't don't touch my vagina. I, And then being able to say, this person just tried to touch my vagina. Right. Like, there's and, no and ambiguity. It's wrong. Yeah. Too. Like, yeah. it's not normal. Nope. And they know that. Yeah, I just, I mean, in addition, like, Naming private body parts is good for health too, right? Like if a little, you know, girl gets a yeast infection. Right. And she says, my vulva itches. Right. And that's great. Easy. Let's go to the doctor. Yep. And that was an example I gave about the doctor too. I said, you know, we, we need to be able to have people help us keep our private body parts healthy and clean. Like, let's say maybe something's going wrong in there and, and you need somebody to look at it. Who would that be, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and and helping them make that connection because we know it's not like our private body parts have many functions. And, uh, yeah, and without being able to go into it very much in the classroom, right. I I try to allude to it with yeah. like doctor visits and things like that. Well, right, like see, you're five or whatever, and you have a little poo poo incident on accident. Right, like who's gonna help you clean up your bottom? Exactly. Yes, and, and that is health. And safety issue because we're cleaning you up so you don't get an infection, you know, that right, kind of thing. Right, right. They're yeah. checking you out. But, you know, spending way too much time down there, like, that's not normal. No. And, no. like, no parent really wants to spend that much time down there. Just, like, no. doing, like, what they have to do to keep you safe and healthy. No. Oh, my goodness. I know. So, um, let's see. What was I looking at? Oh, right. Secrets. 
We also talk to kiddos about secrets in the classroom. And that is, again, a sexual abuse prevention yes. um, aspect. So predators, like I believe it was the last episode, we said they test secret keeping ability with kids. Yes. Um, so we tell them safe adults don't ask kids to keep secrets. That's and right. I will say that some people are like, what about a present or a vacation? It's like we do also speak about the difference between a secret and a surprise. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And I liked it the other day. Somebody said, um, oh, that's a safe secret. There's a difference between oh, a safe okay, secret yeah. and an unsafe secret. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, I like that. A I'll safe secret that. isn't going to hurt anybody. That's right. right. It's yeah. not going to hurt anybody. Unsafe secrets hurt people. Safe secrets are going to bring someone joy for, you know, like, yeah. oh, we were planning a trip to Disney World, you know, like, <laughs> wow, you know, yeah. <laughs> good yes. stuff. Exactly. So some more prevention is um, internet safety. Make sure you don't give out private personal information you need to make sure you're keeping your location tracking off on games social media um on on snapchat and instagram just mm -hmm. like just to have them turn their location off yep um, and make sure they well yeah. you may need to learn how <laughs> but yeah. or ask your kid to show you how maybe that's, that's a good right. good way to do it but that's right yeah and another big key to it too is like just make sure your kids do know the people um personally that they're playing with online mm -hmm. um and i'm and i'm thinking more about like the online groomers who yeah. you might not know yeah um but again mostly it's going to be somebody that your family knows and so this la the last thing we do in a class well i mean we do a lot more stuff but the last thing that we're going to talk about today um is what i think one of like my favorite things to for little kids is to help them practice being assertive yes. and saying no. They're not very often given this platform to tell adults no yeah. and be loud and assertive. So it's really fun for them. Um, and we all know that practicing something makes it a lot easier in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm always touched by this part. I mean, oh, not touched. Oh, yeah. Woof. That was a weird way to say it. Sorry. Um, but with the assertiveness skills that they are learning, <laughs> I love it. Giving them a situation and then they say things like, don't touch me there. Mm -hmm. That's an unsafe touch. Yeah. Or you're hurting my body. Oh. I'm like, oh, yeah, definitely. Now, who would you report to? How would you say it? And mm -hmm. they practice reporting, too. Which right, is and who really they can important. report to, right? Yep. 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 So they're really thinking about who are their trusted adults in their life? How, what would they say to report yep. in this situation? And they practice saying um, no or don't touch me or that's not okay um, to the person who's doing it to them. Yep. So I, I do. I love that part, too. So uh, we know that this is very heavy and very disturbing information. Please be sure to take care of yourselves today. Uh, we can prevent child sexual abuse. And if we can get everybody on the same page about talking to their kids about this hard stuff, um, there, our kids are going to have the skills and knowledge to deter predators. Like that, that's all there is to it. Like this is a preventable thing. And like, but we all have to be on board. Yeah. And so one of the, for our media that we love this week, um, I watched this series. I watched it on Hulu, but you can watch it on Freeform as well. It's called Keep This Between Us. It is a documentary that an adult woman um, puts together about her experience being groomed and abused as a child. And this was in high school. It's really, really good. It 
I mean, it's hard to watch, but you see, you, you'll see everything that we've talked about happen in, in these episodes. Um, it's very illuminating, I would say. Yes. <clears throat> so thank you so much for sharing that, Heather. And join us next time to learn about how K-12 schools tackle child abuse prevention. So thanks for listening. Keep listening to hear about support resources and how to contact us. Look out for new podcasts every other Monday on anywhere that you can find your podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Anchor FM, you name it. We're there. If you have any questions and we would love to hear from you, you can email us at saferjourneyspod at safejourneysillinois.org. You can also message us on social media. We have a Facebook and an Instagram that you can find us at. And let's talk about some resources for anyone who's experiencing abuse. If you happen to live in and around LaSalle or Livingston County in Illinois, please feel free to call Safe Journeys Support Line at 815-673-1555. 24-7, confidential, services are free. If you don't happen to be in our, our area, there are two national hotlines that you can call for support. For sexual violence, you can call RAIN with two N's. That's the National Sexual Violence Hotline. Their phone number is 800-656-HOPE. They also have a live chat on their website if you're interested. And for domestic violence or intimate partner abuse, you can call the hotline, which is simply thehotline.org. And this is our national domestic violence hotline. And you can give them a call at 800-799-SAFE or chat live on the website. Thanks for listening.